companies that aim for high performance, typically tech companies, yeah, there's a lot of perks. Unlimited holidays, free right. food, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. pool tables, the latest coffee machines, like all anything, you want. work from whatever, yeah. you know, lots of lots of reasons to join. But what you typically find when you sort of dig a little bit deeper is there's quite some shortcuts when it comes to actual well-being. Welkom bij Skill Talks, een podcastserie over de uitdagingen die Nederlandse start-up founders elke dag aangaan om hard te kunnen groeien. Mijn naam is Dani van den Berg, oprichter van EBITWISE. En deze show host ik samen met Sebastiaan van Essen, marketeer en oud-journalist van onder andere Sprout en FD. So Bas, today in English, right? Yeah, it's uh, going to be a challenge, but uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. startup life, full with challenges. Yeah, stone cold English, right? So who do we have today, uh, Bas? Today we have Arosha Brouwer, CEO and founder of Quan Wellbeing, which is... Uh, a platform solution app uh, that uh, makes it more easy for companies to uh, avoid burnouts oh. for uh, for the employees. Cool. Uh, and that's uh, what we are going to talk about, of course, her, her solution, but also how she was able to already uh, reach a, a lot of milestones in, in just over the course of yeah, a year. So uh, thank yeah. you. Great introduction. Arosha, sorry, how do I pronounce your name? Perhaps that's a good uh, good Arosha. first question. You got it right, Arosha. Arosha. Yeah, lovely uh, to be here. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, yeah, could you could you just tell a little bit about uh, the background of your of of Quan and how do you get to the uh, to the idea and where you are right now? Yeah, of course, of course. So um, to sort of say more about Quan, I think I, I should say who I am. I've got a, a long history in, in corporate, so about 15 years, and my specialization was in digitization and, and team performance. Um, so, you know, I've been working predominantly with like high performance teams, typically with high levels of innovation. About, I think, six years ago, I started my own consultancy in the space, mm-hmm. worked with a lot of coaches, um, a lot of psychologists, really looking at what are the things that we can put in place to improve the way that people work um what i found during my time was that um, companies that aim for high performance typically tech companies uh, you know there's a lot of perks Mm. um you know they don't they don't um cut costs when it comes to perks there's lots of reasons to join these organizations um but at the same time um with perks you mean like employee happiness uh Perks or yeah, I mean you know unlimited holidays, free right. food, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. pool tables, the latest coffee machines, like work all from anything, where you want. work from whatever. Yeah. You know, lots of lots of reasons to join. Um, but what you typically find when you sort of dig a little bit deeper is there's quite some shortcuts when it comes to actual well-being. In fact, the people with the unlimited holidays are the ones that actually can't take holidays because there's too much work right, right. Yeah, yeah. um so when covid happened and we saw the merging of home and work life uh what we saw was those perks evaporate overnight right there was no fancy office that you could go to um there was no free food you know basically mm. you had to work at home um and i sort of realized at that point wow well-being is going to become super important now And what are companies going to do? You know, a mental health webinar is going to be enough, right? Um, So to better understand the problem, being a very good consultant, that's where I started, 
Um, I spent a year with my core initial team of like four or five people with some psychologists uh, interviewing more than 500 people to better okay. understand the problem. Wow, that's a nice nice uh, idea to, to start interviewing so many leaders in, in Silicon Valley, I understood. Yeah, everywhere actually. So I did a, a separate research um, I think five or six years ago where I went to Silicon Valley and I interviewed founders and that was amazing looking at what does it take to create a high performance culture uh, but this time it was more to understand the problem of well-being and what are the solutions that companies have got what are the what are the gaps where you know what what it was really driven by curiosity um, and sort of we we interviewed employers employees like lots of different organizations around the world you know we have pretty big networks Um, and then it came down to three key things. So the first thing was well-being is super complex, like super complex. It's a hundred-year-old science mm. and that's young, yeah. um, but it has more than like 200, 300 dimensions. But if you have ask the average person about well-being, they typically say like, oh, it's nutrition or sleep. Yeah, it's yeah. just no few, right? The second thing was once you know oh, this, this particular thing is something that's not going well for me, um, a lot of people don't know what's the best thing for them. Like, is it headspace? Is oh, it yeah. calm? Is it going for a walk? What, like, what is what, what should I be doing? And lastly, context matters. Um, so there's been, uh, you know, a proliferation of, of therapy apps, right? And Most of them are designed for the individual to go and see a therapist because there's been a shortage of psychologists. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, except if the problem is a work situation. You know, you going seeing a psychologist is not going to help if it's work toxicity. That's the issue. Yeah. Um, so essentially how and what quans come about and, and, and what we're addressing is we're an end-to-end platform which addresses those key things. The first one is we have a very deep assessment, um, which takes on average about five to ten minutes. But once people complete it, it not only identifies the symptoms but the underlying causes of poor well-being. So it goes quite deep. And then we point to the most effective solutions for the individual but also the team. So we're really thinking about how do you help the individual and the context. At an organizational level, it gives you the data on Where are the problems? Where can I better allocate funds so that I can actually help my people? Um, and that's basically what we're what we're building. You have a quite conscious roadmap behind you in the sense that you really did research and then you came with a solution that really is tackling the, the challenges that came out of it. Are you were you really following a uh, lean startup methodology or Yes, absolutely. So um, I would say that we are really, um, you know, taking the best of all that's out there and this is what happens when you've got, you know, between Lucy and myself and Lucy's my co-founder, you know, 15 years each work experience. Um, Lucy has a strong product background and is very much um, design-led. So everything is through user research, understanding the problem, you know, Uh, measure twice, cut once. Um, I'm a seasoned consultant. We're about listening and understanding before jumping to solution mode. Um, so I would say that that's part of the DNA. And also 
we surround ourselves with PhDs and psychologists. Yeah. We, we're really committed to the science. And uh, those guys hate assumptions, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so in the first phase, you, you just said that you, you interviewed about 500. Around people. 500. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, about 70 therapists. Wow. Yeah. And you guys did that yourself? Like totally ourselves. We had like a list of questions and we just went, and went out there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And how do you make those questions unbiased? Because that's very hard, I can, could imagine. I mean, it's pretty, like, once you're trying to understand something and you've got, like, a set of, like, I think we had eight or ten questions and you ask the same over and over again, you know, you, you can't help but start to notice the patterns and the result of that was our initial hypotheses that we've been testing. Um, but for the rest, like, if you stay curious, you know, your product will, will only be better for it, right? So it's one of our values, curiosity. How long does it take to interview 500 people? We started in 2020. The research, we, we began as soon as COVID hit, really, in April. Uh, and then in, I think, October, we incorporated and MVP was built by 2021, March, so a year after the initial idea was born. Yeah. So how does the model work? Could you explain a little bit more about that? So um, The revenue model? Yeah. In, yeah, it's very, right now it's quite basic. It's just a, it's B2B SaaS. It's a subscription. Yeah. Um, at the moment, the price is 80 euros per employee or user. Yeah. Um, and you've got 12 months. And, and what the company gets is four assessment cycles. Um, so it gives people, individuals and the team, three months to work on the things that they need to work on and then you know in the next quarter they're able to assess again and then see what the priorities are for the three months ahead so how do you determine the pricing in in such a nascent stage yeah so i mean what we did again in in our in like initial stages we found out what the average spend was for similar or, or for tools, actually, for well-being tools. And we found the range tend to be between anywhere between $3, uh, sorry, 3 euros um, per employee all the way up to uh, 20. Um, and then we just kind of looked in the market to see, okay, what's out there, what do you get? And then we priced it, I think we're at like 650 or something, um, and we offer quite a lot. And if, you, if we do the math, the other thing that we did after we launched MVP – we didn't go straight out product only. We did hybrid coaching. So what that meant was we got our MVP into the hands of customers and then we worked with psychologists and coaches to work with teams to see how our product was being used. It ended up being user research for us, um, but very quickly we were able to see that like a coaching session for a team can be anywhere from 500 all the way to 5,000, right? Yeah. Um, but now we've digitized our offering in a way that a team lead can run the coaching session themselves. Okay. So suddenly we've brought down the cost of an external coach yeah. and we impart the knowledge and we give the support for team leads to do it themselves. That's actually where companies want to be, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. So let's say I'm a company and I, I, I buy your, your solution, right? Uh, most of these firms are commercially minded, so they want to see progress after three months. <laughs> I put in a quarter and I get two quarters back, right? Mm -hmm. It's the original uh, theory. How do, you, how do you guys solve that? That's a really good question. But if I turn the question on its head, right now, companies 
on average, spend about 700 euros per employee on well-being. Right. Um, the average adoption of well-being applications is 25%. Um, what is being measured is has people downloaded it. Yeah. That's it. Um, I think CFOs, um, and now drawing on your space, are going to start asking harder questions from HR pretty soon. Yeah. Because what you'd want to see is at minimum a correlation between the applications that are used and lowered levels of stress or anxiety or whatever. Yeah. But how are you going to be able to measure lowered yeah. levels of anything if you're not measuring that to begin with? Right. And that's the question I'd like to ask. Yeah. Do you already have some, I mean, uh, some examples of uh, success stories or what you guys uh, have done already? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because we've been working with Binder for more than like a year and a half, like when we were in Survey Monkey stage, they yeah, yeah, yeah. they started working with us. So and 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 that's they, a big name already, um, Binder. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. really great. And nice. they and they really made us um, prove prove ourselves. So they started with a very small pilot. Then it went to like small pilot, I mean like twenty or thirty people, I think. Yeah. Then it was like, okay, that was successful. Now we want those managers to tell other managers, and then we'll increase the pilot. And so we did that. And then suddenly, you know, I think we did two or three phases like that and now we're going to have a full company rollout this year. Um, And there was a press release um, earlier this year um, that Binder themselves put out there um, talking about their commitment to mental health and and why they partner with Quan, which is just for an early stage startup so hugely valuable. So we're very extremely grateful for the Binder team. So how did you get in at, at, at Binder? The the great thing is is that Label A, the agency yeah. that helped build our MVP, yeah. was the mothership of Binder. Mm. So they also essentially laid the foundations for Binder. So they just, I mean, all they did was connect us, yeah. Yeah. and and yeah, everything else was 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 on, was on us. I don't yeah. think Binder would have just gone with us because Label no. A helped us with the MVP. But um, that was the introduction, and that. I think, you know, you guys probably speak to a lot of founders. I mean, in this first phase, what, the first year, the first year and a half, it's it's founder-led sales, right? So yeah. for us, what really matters is introductions and warm introductions by people that know us yeah. and know what we stand for. And yeah. I think that 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 is hugely helpful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you need your network, but then yeah, when you're, once you're in, oh, it's on you, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. people aren't going to just spend money because you're nice. Like. Yeah. You are the CEO of the company, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you have a background in more corporate life, right? The consultancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's that role for you? Um, like, I love it because it's it, it allows me to be a Juliet of all trades. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I I've always been passionate about people, um, so it just allows. I think it allows me to. Um, bring on amazing people and then watch them do amazing things and then make amazing connections. Like, yeah. make no mistake, I'm, you know, this is early stage. I've got a lot to learn. Um, but I've surrounded myself with amazing people, both inside my team but also as advisors. Yeah. And I feel like um, I'm as good as the decisions that I make, so I try and make those decisions as, as, as well as I can. Yeah. And I like to make informed decisions. That sounds very simple, surrounding yourself with people, but I think there are a lot of people that fill in that that mission yeah. already. So how do you surround yourself with a lot of people? What what kind of talents do you need for that? I think the first step is just accepting that if you 
Like I had a, you know, Quan was my dream. Like I literally woke up one day going, hey, does anyone know actually what well-being actually is? Like it was literally a dream, right? And then at that point I sort of realised, hey, this could go really far but there's no way that I can do it like alone. There's no way. So um, at that point it became bigger than me. At that point it was like if Quan is going to impact millions of lives, like for the better, like our mission is to place well-being at the heart of success, like redefining the way organisations work, right, um, I'm going to have to bring on amazing people. So I sort of literally started taking conscious steps to separate my ego from what Quan is. And I think that means that I watch people get excited by what it could be and then they excite other people. Like Christina, our head of marketing, just reminded me like we haven't actually really hired for any of the key roles. It's just being very like people have just come into the fold. We're a team of 20 now. Um, So I'm just excited by the possibility and I think that, you know, like we don't go out looking for media attention, no. you know. So I, 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 I think there's there's something natural in that. And me as a person, it just means that I'm continuously looking to learn. That at any moment in time when I enter a room, it's like, what can I learn here? Like it's not like this is my point and I'm here to make a point. It's like, what can I learn? How can I better myself? When you go into conversations with that, then the world is your oyster, right? Yeah, nice. And yeah, you just just pointed out that ego. That's of course a big, uh, a big pick pitfall for 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 CEOs, right? I mean, you get a with all these rounds of millions, uh, people can start think that uh, they're on top of the world, uh, and most of it in, in the period that we're living right now. So you're very conscious of that. That yeah. that's uh, that's uh, that's a deal breaker for your own. For your own business, actually, yeah. Is that uh, when you're so conscious about that, do you actually fall in those mistakes that you uh, see? Okay, this is actually the ego thing that is yeah. driving this decision. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's a real core part of what Quan is and what we stand for, and how we keep each other in check. Yeah. Um, you know, I spoke with an angel investor a few months ago, and um, you know, he asked me the question of like, at what point? you know, will you ever outgrow, like, will, will, will the company ever outgrow you as a CEO? Like, at what point? Like, what do you think about that? And I said, yeah, there's two measures that I look at, yeah? One is that what the company needs is what I can't, like, take my brain yeah. <laughs> quickly enough to, right, at that point. There's another one. I become a version of myself that my beloved family and friends don't recognise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. because I have an amazing group of friends and family, like seriously, like amazing. If they start telling me that I've become some someone that they don't recognize, then, you know, I've, I've made some fundamental mistakes. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I think that, that that's the way you sort of stay conscious, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Don't, and, and don't get ahead. Be do normal, isn't that the Dutch yeah, saying? Yeah, do normal, right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and your work week uh, is it now filled with uh, with eight, eighty hours? Uh, I mean that can also influence you as a yeah. personality, of course. And and of course this has all all to do with burnouts. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like we are coming out of YC, 
And those were intense hours, like those months, because we were working European and US hours. And I've got a family, right? So I tried to squeeze in one, one and a half hours during the day. But it was crazy hours and it was not the vision of well-being, I'll tell you that much. I had a conversation with the team and I sort of said, you know, there are going to be moments when we have to perform at peak and that's going to be extended hours. But you can't perform at peak all the time, right? So just know your own boundaries and know yourself. So, you know, the team worked so hard to get that V1 out two months ahead of schedule. I don't know even why that came about but um they were pulling long long days so you know we're now you know and i'm really proud of lucy and bill for um bill's our uh, fractional cto um you know they've basically given the team one week off on a rotating structure um but it's important that you can't you can't have sustainable growth is there if everyone's running all the time i, I think at some point the quality of your decisions are going to start to falter. So I think I went a bit too far, um, but I'm, I'm very aware of it. How do you keep your, your employees or your uh, the people that work for Quan uh, motivated and, and happy? And Because you're asking uh, a lot. Yeah. A, lot yeah. a lot, yeah. We have a great team. Um, we're pretty transparent, which means that Lucy and I kept the team very involved with the YC uh-huh. uh, process. Because YC is, t- is for the founders, right? Yeah. Um, we keep them up to date with investor conversations. We really have hired people for their expertise, but we've created an environment that if you see something strange or you, you're you wondering, like, why is it done? People can ask. Yeah. And and that results in very open communication. So just to, to make practice, is it like every weekly meeting? Weekly. Or, yeah. Weekly and also, but we also, we're a fully remote team. Okay. Um, so we're spread across, I think, six time zones or something like that. Um, so, but we're also very aware of asynchronous communications. It's something that we did very early on. Um, we, we try and be effective with our time. Yeah. Um, most stuff is like, here's a document, add your edits, and then we meet about that. Um, and for the rest... We communicate on key things, yeah. um, and the and the topics that matter are the ones that we discuss. Yeah. So, so Lucy your, is your co-founder. Is it a friend of you? Lucy is definitely a friend of, course of mine now. now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say family. Um, but um, the way that we were introduced was actually through an amazing organizational psychologist that I'd worked with that met Lucy and said, "Hey, you two have amazing." like complementary cognitive profiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she did essentially the the psychometric that, <laughs> you know, investors do. Um, yeah, she yeah, did yeah. that. Region. So when we met, I think, five years ago, and it was like we'd known each other. And at that stage, we just knew each other. Lucy was like helping me with my consultancy, like doing business model sessions and stuff. And then when Quan sort of, it dawned on me that Quan could become a product. She was the first person that I called to say, would you consider joining yeah 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 together you have uh, reached uh, two very important milestones uh next to of course uh getting uh, customers like like binder but two financial milestones first uh getting into y combinator the the most known startup accelerator in the world we could say uh and additionally this uh this first pre-seed round with uh, Y Combinator, but also 
uh, an impact fund. Um, and, and two angel investors, I understood. Mm-hmm. Um, if we first talk about getting into wine combinator, how did this story start? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the famous thing is that we, we did the YC application because we thought the exercise of answering those questions would improve the quality of our pitch deck. <laughs> so... <laughs> It was a means to an end. It was not supposed to be the end. <laughs> um, and um, the whole team was involved and we were just like streamlining our own thinking. And then suddenly, you know, we get invited for an interview and then we're like, oh, my gosh, oh. we need to prepare for that. <laughs> okay. And I remember like like getting the interview and I was like, we've achieved it. Guys, yes. We're the one in four that made the interview. Yeah. Yes, let's celebrate. And then someone was like, you realize you can get in, right? <laughs> yeah. like, and what, what was really decisive? I mean, they could say, of course, uh, it's an exploding market. So you had our attention uh, yeah. because of that. But I guess Y Combinator really looks to the team, don't they? Yeah, 100%. So we met up with a, a few of the, the YC visiting partners and also one of the ones that sort of decided for us to get in. And I asked him the question again. It came down to Lucy's and my combination because I think early stage you're betting on the founders, right? Everyone says that and it is. It's like do they have the relevant experience? Would will they Do they have the grit and the ability to get through what's coming? Because some of us, I mean, I certainly did not know what was coming and I think there's a lot more to come. Um, and, you know, will they have the ability to handle a team? And, you know, so that that's what they're looking for. So, um, and, I, and I think Luce and I were able to answer questions in a way that was like, okay, they've got relevant backgrounds and they can, could actually Can you mention some thing. difficult uh, questions they uh, were um, raising? I mean, they shoot questions at you. So it's kind of like... The it's like num- a podcast. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like a podcast. Yeah. Um, but it's like 10 minutes and they start off with the hardest question, which is, what do you do? Yeah, that's the hardest question. And you're supposed to say it in like a sentence and like right. when you draw a breath, don't go deeper. Then it's like, what's your traction? You know, they they can go in, in any... With us, they said, you know, what are some of the customers... Um, what's a pain point? Why are you? What's yeah? You know, and they went just deeper, 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 and then they zoom out. Like you know, tell us about the term sheet that you've got. What you yeah. do with that? You know, so so just lots of just scattergun questions, and um, there's you know there's great prep that you can do. And for anyone that's listening that gets into a YC interview, like hook me up. I'd be happy to do a mock pitch. That helped us nice. a lot. We did like six. Um, but there's like a series of questions and if you prepare for that, then you should be able to get in. Really? Yeah. Easy peasy. <laughs> I will have a good idea. <laughs> Solve a real problem. Yeah. 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 Well, that's uh, fantastic uh, for our listeners to, uh, to, to hear they can uh, get support. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so with investors, it's, it's a, it's a marriage that can take very long right also in in future rounds if you if you're you're aiming to that um and they're still on board did you, did you guys look a bit further like who you're dealing with in terms of uh, not only their, the cash but yeah. more what they can bring but also in the future i think it's really important and um 
we're already like just to give you an idea we're already establishing relationships for series a which is probably 12 to 18 months away yeah because we haven't done a price to equity round yet no. yeah so it's still on our terms yeah. so right now we're very fortunate to have four impact with us and yeah. super helpful and and a great team there that we've been talking to for a long time before they came on board and right now lucy and i are focusing on just angel investors so just a group of ex-operators people that can make connections help us get through this first phase as we're trying to hit yeah. as you called it product market fit right yeah. Series A is a different ball game. That's when the price to equity round happens. That's when the board comes into play. And that's when cash is no longer just cash. Um, So we want to have a year to get to know different people. And the the number one place that I'm going to in, in terms of my due diligence on these future investors are founders. Right, yeah. And although Series A is, of course, uh, much more serious than pre-seed. Getting those pre-seed investors for impact you mentioned yeah. to angel investors. Can you also tell us about how that uh, was realized? Yeah, and a few more now, which is which is great. Like really good, solid um, um, angels. It's really hard at the beginning. Like honestly, overnight, once that TechCrunch article went out that we were in YC, I mean, I got more investor emails and you know everything really um how many uh, estimated <laughs> i think our investor crm people that have contacted is about 100 wow yeah in the last what three months or so yeah um so you know they don't all they not all in fact you know less than 10 percent invested but um they're all interested you're on the radar and all that stuff before yc like I think I'd only talk to four impact and two others. Um, and to be honest, like, it's really hard to get on their radar. Um, I can't speak on behalf of a VC, but I do know the importance of um, ensuring that you don't just scattergun shoot at all these VCs. You need to know what their thesis is and, and whether you're, what you're building aligns with that. And I, and I do know, having gone through YC, introductions help, you know. So filling out those random forms on their website, I don't yeah. know, you know. I think introductions from other founders, etc. And the thing is, is that when you're just an idea, unless you're a second-time founder, it's really hard for a VC to suddenly go, that's a great idea, yeah. this is it. No, because they're not investing in the idea. They're investing in you and the potential of the idea. So so this is really important, I think. But before YC, you were already in touch with 4Impact? Only 4Impact and a few others. We were really trying to get angels. And even angels was hard at that stage, yeah, you know. Yeah. Was YC's involvement still decisive for 4Impact? Um, no, we were already talking to 4Impact. So as Ali... One of the co-founders and Pauline say, we we spotted you guys before they oh, did, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which supported. is true, which yeah. is true. Yeah, sometimes uh, we, we had a, the other founder who was mentioning that that, that, that funding is a numbers game, eh? that mm. just, just the shoot at everyone that you can find, but you're actually saying the opposite, right? It's better to have, have a good connection and uh, really 
uh, find VCs that that fit your profile and fit it's, their. It their is fund. a conversion. I mean, it is. A, I mean, it's true. But what you know, the lesson that I've learned is that because I I made mistakes coming out of YC and this last piece that you know closing this round. Investment needs to be the investment, like the funding round, needs to be a process, like a sales process. You got top of funnel. You should just tighten it up. Just say, okay, I've got three weeks. I'm raising the round. These are the terms. This yeah. is the data room. Let's go. You know, because the time that it takes to close a round, if it takes you three months, that's you know two and a half months that your eye is off yeah. the business. That's yeah. the real cost. Yeah. So I've learned some lessons. So when someone says it's like a sales process, it is absolutely the last bit of it. But for the rest of it, you know, you've got to build relationships and do your due diligence, especially if it's a price to equity round. Like the the terms that I've heard Dutch founders yeah. signing, like are ridiculous. Can you mention examples? Yeah, like giving you know twenty five percent of the company away for like. Very little, you yeah. know, um, or you know, preferred shares. Like, let's address the elephant in the room. Like, what that means, you know. So, there's a lot of stuff that yeah. immature founders, and I'm putting myself in that bucket, right? How did you learn that? This uh, YC. No, no. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. YC. YC taught us a lot about that stuff, and yeah. and you know that's why. We haven't run raised a price equity round, but no. um, and and now we're speaking to more founders and you know, but to be honest, early very early on when I didn't have YC, we spoke to amazing founders that had set up multi million dollar companies like yeah. closer to billion, and they they were able to give us sound advice, good yeah, um, which helped us make some of the initial decisions. Yeah, yeah so first get your knowledge straight, right? Yeah, and no, no, the difference between pre and post oh my gosh <laughs> and, yeah uh, absolutely and then start yeah yeah exactly and i, th I think this is this is really important yeah this yeah. is really important yeah. and and the angel investors were they triggered by uh for impact or by y combinator both probably both i i or your say. idea perhaps <laughs> yeah or us yeah, yeah of course you know uh, I no, think no. So. <laughs> yeah i think you know there's this thing in investment world which is called social proof right so yeah, yeah. they look at each other and yeah you know yeah. safety we have in numbers. to be realistic about yeah, that. yeah safety in numbers and so nobody wants to be the first one right mm. like so that that first check is is really hard and let's for early stage founders it's, it's extremely hard which is why i i take time to speak it's very easy for me to think oh but we're still so early stage like And and be all like, I'm still I'm trying to learn. But then, there are people that have just started on the first few months or whatever. They haven't closed that first check, and then they speak to me. And then I realize, oh my gosh, there are, I've got lessons that I can impart, right? Yeah. And and that's all. Yeah. And how? Um, what were the differences in in conversations with the angels and the uh, the more um, conventional investors? Like for impact, why combinator? The due diligence. <laughs> That's an easy one, right? So it's due diligence um, is a lot more intense, obviously, with a VC. Yeah. Um, and, you know, terms, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, that's also the reason why it was kind of an easy decision for us 
when those sorts of things started to be flagged that we were like, you know what, let's just talk to these guys in Series A. Yeah. So, you know, but it doesn't mean that I don't still have conversations. I do because I'm trying to build relationships. But to take my company through the level of detail they want to go to, the product's not at that stage, no, no, <laughs> you know, no, so yeah. there's no point. Yeah. Why was it important for you to, to have those angels on board as well next to Y Combinator and 4Impact? Oh, it's just great levels of insight and great levels of connections that can be made and introductions and angels can open up their networks, especially if they're ex-operators. Um, and again, it's I value founders. So there's a few angels that have come on board recently that are that are ex, you know, you know, found they are founders of companies. They've exited. There's just loads of knowledge there. So and looking at the future, so um, you're obviously building and building and and growing. Uh, and looking at your strategy, is that something that you have a method for? Absolutely. So we have two. I think you know the commercial goals as well as what we'd like to have in terms of product features. Um, I think the number one thing is hitting product market fit. Yeah. Right. So that's the number one thing that's guiding all of our decisions. Um, we're not at, you know, we're not at the stage where we need to scale. No, no. We just need to be very close to our customers, um, understand those problems and build features that makes us unique. And that's basically the guiding principles at Quan. If you speak to enterprises, um, you could try to get them uh, as a customer can take one year a sales cycle. Um, you you got Arcadis yeah. as a customer. Yes, but it's a like it's a team within Arcadis, so it's not the twenty thousand people global contract. Yeah. And I think that's that's a little trick that all startups sort of say, hey, you know, I've got this and that, but it's all teams within. Like, so how many uh, months did it take? Um, I think that was like two months. Um, and our sales cycle is definitely getting shorter. So we've got an American co- company um, and within three weeks we signed them and they have 1,500 people and they want it for the full company, which is amazing. I have one final question. Um, so the, the pitfall of, of defining you have, have reached product market fit, eh? tomorrow is always better. Eh? If I reach that, then I'm going to be, the, the firm is in better condition mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm ready to, uh, to do my Series A. Is there? Are you are you aware of that of that pitfall? Do you have or really have in this X uh, number of months? I want to be there. If I'm not there, I, I I failed or I have to see why I am. No, because I and I think any founder that sort of goes in with that mentality is <laughs> is set up for failure. You know, yeah. like in an early stage venture, hell, any company, things are going to happen. And how you bounce back, pivot, is what's going to define your success. So, yes, we have targets. I'm not shy of that. And I hope that we hit them. But if we don't, I hope we learn from them. Right. And I hope we learn faster. Um, So one thing that we didn't do enough was celebrate our success. It took so many media articles to recognize how good we'd done it. Um, And I hadn't seen it. No. You know, and that's not good. That's not good, especially when the leader, so-called leader, is not. Because Lucy and I are working hard, but there's 18 others that are working really, really hard, yeah. right? So oh, that's great advice. Yeah. Let's celebrate more and... Celebrate so how do you? Yeah. <laughs> We're actually going to plan in an off-site. <laughs> so bring our team together. Nice. 
And the whole purpose of it is just to strengthen the relationships between the people. Um, and yeah, we'll have strategy is a byproduct. The first part is to celebrate and to strengthen the relationships. I have one big bang question uh, left, and that's how do you envision the mental health market in 2030? That's an interesting one. So how um, applications will be used to help companies, right? That's the, okay, so... Yeah, the whole ecosystem. The whole ecosystem. I, look, I think it's going to mature. At the moment, 97% of them are not science-backed. So I'd like to see that number inversed, firstly. Um, and what I'd like, uh, what I'll probably see is a few key players um, that are supporting a number of organisations, but underneath them, there'll be specialist applications that just cover the full gamut of well-being. You know, like I'm, I'm seeing lots of things out there for people, like in Australia there's an interesting one which is all about caregiving and recognising that people care for their children or care for their parents. Like these are very specialist applications, right? So I just see that there'll be more of those solutions out there to help people with their unique needs. And I'd love that. I'd love for us to have an ecosystem of real applications out there to help the different individuals and teams when they need it. So the use of data and the use of smart, you know, pointing, hopefully maybe Quan can, you know, <laughs> help with this, so that someone that truly needs help gets it and that the company is able to provide it. I'd love that by 2030. Thank you very much. Thank very, you very, very helpful. It was uh, really nice. Thank you. Awesome. Dit was weer een half uur vol inspiratie over hoe hard te groeien als founder. Wil je geen aflevering missen van Skill Talks? Volg ons dan op Spotify of ga naar abitwise.nl slash podcast. Veel succes en tot de volgende aflevering.